0: Welcome, uh, Fellowship Asheville, I'm, I'm glad y'all are here with us this morning in the midst of all the fun stuff happening, like Matt said, if, by the way, brilliant idea to grab out the smartphone, whoever you saw that did that, thank you for mentioning it, thank you for whoever it was that did that, that was, duh, yeah, we all have them, don't we, yeah, like what a great idea. Um, here's what I hope happens today, we're, we're starting our Advent series, I'll tell you a little bit about it in a minute. But um, here's, here's what I'm, I'm praying for and hoping uh, happens today. Uh, I don't know about y'all, but post-Thanksgiving, uh, us and our family, we're all kind of tired, right? After Thanksgiving, decorate for Christmas, or if you're one of those weird people that decorate for Christmas before Thanksgiving. I said weird, didn't I? I didn't mean weird. I didn't mean weird. I, I meant, I didn't mean right either. I meant... <laughs> I met, I met, you know, one of those people. Let's just do that. Right? But, like, this weekend in particular, everybody's just kind of tired, right? Like, and Monday's coming. So here's what I'm praying for us. I'm praying for uh, the Holy Spirit to do what only He can do and give us peace right? Peace in the midst of all of this, in the midst of, of, of being with family, um, in the midst of maybe you were alone, in the midst of uh, everything that's coming up in December and all that, that, all that that's good about that and all that that's crazy and chaotic about that. I pray for peace for us, and so I hope today's message helps foster that peace. Um, <clears throat> as we start, I want to tell you a story about a person I met recently, and uh, she was a widow and then got remarried, and I was talking to her about that season of her life where she was a widow, and she was living alone. Um, She was actually at a friend's house next door. is this elderly woman uh, who was also a widow. They were watching a movie. And uh, it was dark and she came back home. And as she was coming back home, because they were neighbors and and where they live, there's some land in between them. So she was just kind of walking home kind of through the backyard and tripped over a root uh, that she didn't see because it was dark. And um, the way that she fell, all of her weight landed on one knee her cell phone flew out and what happened is her kneecap snapped in two she knew something was desperately wrong she didn't quite know what then she also knew her cell phone was too far for her to reach and she realized she had no one too far away for the neighbor to hear her husband didn't live there um Oh, we're trying, don't cheer yet, it's not right. So, But y'all just keep, keep, keep us up to date, keep us up to date. But, but here's what she realized, She's, in that moment, she said, I felt so lonely, because I knew if I called, no one would come, like if I yelled, no one would come, because there was nobody there, and eventually she crawled and managed to get to her phone and called somebody and, and got the help that she needed. One of the loneliest times that I experienced was actually in college. And it sounds so cheesy talking about it, but it really was so lonely. I was I was pledging a fraternity of all things, right? Freshman year, there's this fraternity that I wanted to be in, I had friends that were in it, and the way that this uh, system worked is there was like a week of parties and you'd go to and every night you'd get invited to the next party. If you made it to the next round, made it to the next round, made it to the next round. Well, I got invited all the way to the last party. I came. Uh, it was great. Like, I rocked it, y'all. I, I, I laughed at the jokes. I had conversations with all the right people. There were even people that uh, were in leadership of the fraternity that, that as I was leaving, they said, hey, we'll see you later tonight because what they did is after all the, the incoming potential pledges left, they had a, a vote, right? And sometimes those votes could last way until the wee hours of the morning. But then once they decided who their class was going to be, uh, they would send groups out to come to that person's house and wake them up and cheer for them and have this big hoopla and welcome them into the, to the fraternity. So as I left the party and they said, hey, we'll see you later tonight, I was really excited. So I went back to my apartment and I didn't want to sleep in my bed because I didn't want to miss them. So, so I was sitting in the living room waiting for them, right? And I fell asleep And then when I woke up, it was morning, and I realized they never came. And I felt so lonely then because the people that I wanted didn't want me. And y'all, like I had friends. My roommate was asleep in his room. It's not like I was alone. I was just lonely. In Genesis 16, there's this woman named Hagar. Right, who is a very interesting person to, to, to study and to know about in the Scriptures because she was a servant-slash-slave of Abraham's wife, uh, Sarah. At that point, she was called Sarai, and Abraham was called Abram. But, but, but the deal is God had given them this promise that they would have children, that they would have a, a child that would be a blessing to the nations in this, in this whole deal. Well, they didn't have kids. And so they were waiting for God to show up, and it got kind of frustrating. And so Sarah had this idea that Abraham could take her servant, Hagar, as a wife. And maybe they could have a kid and fulfill God's promise that way. Well, that's what happened. Abraham took Hagar, which by the way, as I read the scriptures, I don't see Hagar having much say in the matter, which is interesting. It was appropriate then, It's interesting when you look back on Scripture and you're like, man, we've changed since then in good ways. But Hagar became the wife of Abraham, and guess what? She got pregnant. And when she announced that she was pregnant, guess who got jealous all of a sudden? Sarah did. Even though it was her idea, like keep that in mind, it was her idea, all of a sudden she was jealous. And this tension arose between the two of them. And so Hagar ended, ended up fleeing from the community, and she felt all alone. She was, she was in the wilderness, and she felt lonely, and she does what I'm going to encourage all of us to do when we feel lonely. She, she cried out to God. And here's what's interesting. In Genesis, in Genesis 16, we see that when she cried out to God, God heard her, and her and God had this conversation And what's interesting, in the unfolding of Scripture, this woman is the first person in the Scriptures to give God a name. And she says, He is the God who sees, because he saw me in the time of my affliction when nobody else did, is what she's implying. You see, we can all experience loneliness from time to time. During the holidays, loneliness can be especially painful, right? Because you're online and you look and you see everybody having a great time and you're not, right? It's supposed to be a time of merriment and joy, but you feel lonely. But here's something I want us to be aware of, especially over the next few weeks as we're in environments with people and as we're we're engaging with each other, is that loneliness is this silent guest during the holidays. The person next to you, the person you're with, they may be experiencing loneliness. Loneliness is here in many of us today. And I know this, and you know this, but here's here's the question that we have is what do we do with it? What do we do with loneliness? What do we do when we feel lonely? Do we let it drain us? Because it sure will, won't it? It'll wipe us out if we let it. But what if there's a better way, right? Because today what we're going to do is we're going to see what God has to say about loneliness. Now, go ahead and open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 7. We're going to cover a big chunk, chunk of scripture, Isaiah 7 and half of 18. And we are calling this uh, series, the, the Blank That Stole Christmas. So good job. I think we can cheer now. At least we got something up there on, on, on one. That one's not even on. Do you want me, is the remote up here? I'll turn it on. Um, um, we're, we're calling this series, The, the, the Blank That Stole Christmas, because here's, here's what we're going to see. Every week, we're going to talk about something that steals the very best of Christmas, of this Christmas season, the very best of what Jesus offers us during this season. And I think loneliness is one of those things that steals the best of what Christmas can offer. But I also think loneliness can be an invitation into something better this Christmas, Because what you're not going to hear from me is don't feel lonely. Because loneliness is present and loneliness is real and loneliness is important. But what you're going to hear from me and what I think you're going to hear from God's Word, what I believe you're going to hear from God's Word is what you do with that loneliness can make all the difference. Because let me tell you what's happening in our passage today. In Isaiah, A couple of verses are going to look familiar to you, and I'm going to mention those first. Because in these verses, you're going to see the incarnation. You're going to see God coming to humanity in the form of, of a baby. You're going to see a very familiar Christmas passage. You're going to see Jesus born in a manger. It's going to be so fun. But around this familiar passage is going to be stuff that you may not know and may not be as familiar with. The familiar passage is Isaiah 7.14. Right, and tell me if this sounds familiar to you. It says, "Therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and 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 shall call his name what? Emmanuel." Right, that sounds familiar. Christmas cards with that. You see the stuff like that. That's very familiar. But when we look at what's around this passage, if we just take that. Verse. I think we actually miss the power of what's happening around it. And that's what we're going to talk about today is what's happening around this this very familiar verse. Because if we don't, we miss the truth about who this is given to, right? And we need to see and understand what's around it. Because, y'all, here's the deal. When we understand God's Word, we can apply it better into our lives. As your pastor, that's what I want for you. I want you to understand God's Word so you can apply it into every area of your life. So, let's look at the background of this first. Fair warning, there's going to be some new information in this passage. There are going to be names we haven't seen before, names we haven't heard before, and that's okay. Right? We'll, we'll talk and we'll, we'll, we'll walk through, these, through those. So, if you're new today, don't worry. We're all learning today in this passage, right? Like, like we're all on the same page. Well, let's dive in. Okay, so turn back to uh, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 1. It says this, In the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah. Right? Old Testament, they love their names, don't they? Right? They love telling us where people people come from. So let me introduce you to one of the people that we're going to see and hear a lot about today. And his name is Ahaz. Right, and he's the king of this area called Judah, which, at the, which is where Jerusalem is located, right? Now, here's what you need to know about this guy. Ahaz was not very faithful to God. Here's what Ahaz uh, had a propensity to do often, right? He had a propensity to put his trust in something other than God, right? Now, I'm, I, no elbows, like let's not point fingers, but it's something that's probably familiar to us, isn't it? to put our trust in something other than God. What we're going to see that Ahaz struggled with is he wanted to put his trust in other governments rather than the government of God, rather than the way God works. He wanted to to put his trust in bigger armies, right? He wanted to put his trust in in allies that had bigger armies that could help him out. That's what Ahaz wanted to do instead of trusting God. Now, y'all, sometimes our loneliness can make us do the same thing. Our loneliness can, can make it real easy for us to put our trust in something other than God. To put our trust in something other than just being faithful to God. And we'll see more in a minute, but first let's look at uh, who else is involved around this historical event. Okay, it says, uh, Raisin, the king of Syria, and Pekah, uh, the son of Remelah, the king of Israel, came up to Jerusalem. Right? How many of you have done word studies on raisin? Probably not, right? Like these are all new people to us. But, but here, here's who they are. Raisin is this king of a foreign nation. And, and, and Pekah, I guess is how you say that, he's the king of Israel. Now, a little background history. You may be wondering, what, I thought we already talked about Jerusalem, right? Who's the king? Why is there a king of Judah and a king of Israel? Because for a portion of Israel's history, the nation was divided in two. And so you had two different kings instead of one king over the nation of Israel. And so we're seeing that right now, that, these, that this nation is divided, right? Judah is one of the 12 tribes, and much of the nation's history is there, but, 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 but now they're, they're divided, okay? So look at what's happening now that they're divided, right? So you've got these two guys, and here's what they're doing. They want to, to wage war against it, but could not mount an attack against it. So... At the time of this writing, when Isaiah's writing this, the nations were at war with each other. Not only were foreign nations at war with Israel and Judah, Israel and Judah were at war with each other, right? It was during a time of civil war. Now, I don't want to get up in anybody's business, but when you were home with family for Thanksgiving, did it feel like a civil war a little bit? Maybe not so civil, actually. Right? That's what's happening right now with the nation of Israel. Side, brother is fighting against brother. Cousin fighting against cousin. Right? Look at verse 2. It says, When the house of David was told, Syria is in league with Ephraim, the heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as trees of the forest shake before the wind. So here's the deal. Ahaz, remember our guy, that's the king of Judah, who, who wants to put his trust in other governments. Here's what he hears. He hears that this foreign king has teamed up with Israel, and now they're going to come attack him. So, so what's, what's interesting is the thing that he puts his trust in is now turned against him, right? Because he's putting his trust, uh, historically, he's put his trust in foreign armies, and now there's a foreign army that's, uh, that's teamed up with his enemy, and they're coming for him. And so not only does this cause him to fear, if you notice, who else does it cause to fear? The entire nation is fearful now. And y'all, fear is the opposite of faith, right? Like where, where fear can be connected to our loneliness is important because sometimes the loneliness that we feel is because of fear. And it may even be fear of being alone, right? But hear me, fear can also be a springboard to faith, right? It's what we do with it that's important because where faith is, I mean, where fear is, faith can be, right? Where fear is, faith can be, All right? Say it with me, where fear is, faith can be. Look at verse 3. And the Lord said to Isaiah, go out to meet Ahaz, you and Sherir-Jesub, your son, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the highway of the washer's field, and say to him, be careful, be quiet, do not fear, and do not let your heart faint because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands at the fierce anger of, of Razan of Syria and the son of Remelah, because Syria with Ephraim and the son of Remala have devised evil against you, saying, let us go up to Judah and terrify it, and let us conquer it for ourselves, and set, up, uh, and set up the son of Tabil as king in the midst of it. And so in other words, Isaiah is this prophet of God, right? So he's this other person. Well, his job is to come in and speak the words of God to whoever God sends him to speak. And, and, and he sent him to speak to Ahaz. And he's the one that carries the voice of God to the nations. When Isaiah speaks, if you were there, like, you would listen, right? Because his words are the words of God. And look at what he tells Ahaz. He says, be careful, be quiet, and do not fear. Be careful means be guarded with your words, right? Right? Be guarded. Don't... Don't, if, I, if I can say this in church, don't say anything stupid, Ahaz, right? Like that's what he's telling me. I had a mentor of me tell me before I went into a really tough situation, a really tough conversation. He said, hey Fred, when you get finished with this conversation, make sure you say only the things that you won't regret later, right? And so he's telling Ahaz, be careful. Live in a way that you won't have regrets with what you say or do. And then he tells him, Be quiet, right? Watch your words. And when you can't watch your words, just don't say anything. There's a a, a Scottish toast that says, Be careful of the words that you speak and make sure they are true and sweet, for you never know which words one day you'll have to eat. (laughs) Right? That's, That's what he's saying. Be quiet. And ultimately, Isaiah tells Ahaz, do not fear do not fear, right? God is on your side. And we know that because the prophet of God is telling him, do not fear. Listen, when a prophet of God tells you do not fear, then don't fear because God is with you because you are with God. Look at what else God tells, tells Ahaz. In verse 7, it says this, It shall not stand, and it shall not come to pass. For the head of Syria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is, is resident. Within 65 years, Ephraim will be shattered from being a people. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is the son of Remela And if you are not firm in the faith, you will not be firm at all. Now, it's easy to get lost in those names, right? But look at what Ahaz says at the end. If you're not firm in the faith, you're not going to be firm at all. We already see that God considers these enemies to Judah smoldering stumps, which means they're not even, they're not even, uh, there's nothing left to them, right? They think they're fierce armies ready for battle, but God sees them as these little cut-down burning stumps. And again, the command, stand firm in your faith. Now look at this, because look at his response, because y'all, it looks so good. It says, again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask a sign of the Lord your God and let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. So, so Isaiah says, it says to Ahaz, listen, I want you to believe this, that you don't need to fear. And so what I want you to do is come up with a test. And God will do whatever you want him to do. All right? Because God wants to prove that Ahaz can trust him. And look at, look at his response. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. See, that's the part. It sounds so good, doesn't it? He sounds so holy right now, doesn't he? No, 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 no. Isaiah, prophet of God, you've got that wrong. I won't put God to the test. Here's why. Here's why he won't put God to the test, right? Because he knows if he puts God to the test, guess what God's going to do? He's going to show that he can be trusted. And he's going to show that these governments that Ahaz wants to put his trust in, this this way that Ahaz has been operating his life up until that point, that that's not going to work anymore. And Ahaz would rather live in the chaos he's created than trust God. He would rather live in the dysfunction and disorganization and faithlessness that he has been living in rather than have God prove to be faithful and worthy of his trust. You see, he wants to put his faith in an other, more powerful nation, because guess what? The results happen faster, don't they? Like when we're lonely, right? Do we do this? Like do we go to things that get quick results? instead of doing those things that require trusting in God that may have to do this this horrible thing called waiting, right? You see, Ahaz wants to win, but God wants him to trust. And so he tells him to test me. Now, here's what a test of God is designed to do, and James talks about this too, that a test of God is designed to show you your faith and to show you God is faithful. It's designed to show you where you're putting your faith in, and to show you that actually you can trust God, right? Because you see, church, this is where many of us are. We have faith in all kinds of things, right? To feel secure, we put our faith in people just like Ahaz did. To feel accepted, I put my faith in this fraternity, Right? We all have these other places that we like to put our faith because honestly, the results, they are faster and better than trusting God, right? Sometimes it's the relationships that we have. If I'm with him, if I'm with her, right, then I'm worthy. Sometimes it's the grades for our students here, like like it's the grades we have. If I have good, perfect grades, then I am a good person perfect person. Right? It could be if the promotion happens, that means they finally see me for what I'm worth. If my bank account is full, I'm secure. Y'all, what was true of Ahaz is true for us too. And God is telling him, just like I believe he's telling us, that he alone is worthy to be trusted fully. He alone is. Look at verse 13. Verse 13 says this, and he, being Isaiah, said then, hear then, O house of David, it is too little for you to weary men that you weary God also. In other words, God's gonna give him a sign anyway. God's gonna call his bluff and just show him that he is worthy to be trusted. Look at verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. All right? Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. So there will be a woman who gives birth to a son, and that son will be proof that God's will will happen, right? That son will be proof that God is with us, because that's what Emmanuel means. It means God with us. Well, look at what else will happen to this child. This is the stuff that's the other stuff. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows uh, how to refuse evil and choose good. In the Hebrew faith, there's this thing called age of moral discrimination. When a, a child moves from a child to an adult and they're able and responsible for the consequences of discerning good from evil, right? Right? And so around the age of 12, this child that Isaiah is speaking about will be known for knowing right from wrong. And he'll also eat curds and honey, which is the sign of a nomadic people that he will walk in a land that he doesn't live in. But before all this happens, look at what else happens in verse 16. Verse 16 says this, For before the boy knows how to refuse evil and choose good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. And the Lord will bring upon you and upon your people and upon your father's house such days as have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah, the king of Assyria. And so, so what's happening is, is, is Isaiah is telling Ahaz to trust him. And God will take care of the enemies. And those enemies will be taken care of before this child reaches the age of 12. Before this child reaches the age where he's responsible to know good from evil. And yet if isaiah doesn't trust him look at what will happen verse 18 and in that day the lord will whistle for the fly that is at the end of the streams of egypt and for the bee that is in the land of assyria these are different these are different armies and they will come and settle in the in the steep ravines and in the cliffs and rocks and on all the thorn bushes and on all the pastures and in that day the lord will shave with a razor that is Uh, Hired from beyond the river, and the king of Assyria the head and the hair of of, of the feet, and will sweep away the beard also. Uh, Trust me, all this this made sense to them. All right? right? In that day, a man will keep alive a young cow and two sheep because of the abundance of milk they give, and he will eat curds, for everyone who is left in the land will eat curds and honey. And on that day, every place where there used to be a thousand vines worth a thousand shekels of silver will become briars and thorns. With bow and arrows, a man will come there for the land will be briars and thorns. And for all the hills that used to be uh, hoed with a hoe, you will not come there for fear of the briars and thorns, but they will become a place where cattle are let loose and where sheep tread. And so here's what God is saying. If Ahaz trust in other powers, destruction will come to Ahaz. But if he trusts God, right? But if he trusts God, something else is going to happen. Look at verse 8. Then the Lord said to me, take a large tablet and write on it in common characters belonging to Meher, Shael, Haz, Baz, and I will get reliable witnesses, Uriah the priest and Zechariah the son of zebachariah to attest for me. Right? So God tells Isaiah to write down that name. Mayor, well, let's call him John Mayer. Right? Write down John Mayer. John, Mayor Shael Hasbaz, right? And that means quick to spl- ponder and swift to spoil, which isn't a great name. But you see, this child, that we're familiar with the passage, his name is supposed to be Emmanuel, God with us. Now Isaiah says, if you don't trust God, his name will be quick to plunder and swift to spoil. Right? Why is this name important? Verse 3. And I went to the prophetess and she conceived and bore a son. And the Lord said to me, Call his name, Shall Baz, for before the boy knows how to cry, my father, and my mother, the wealth of the Damascus, and the spoil of Samaria will be carried away before the king of Assyria. Now y'all, here's what's interesting. This kid right, who before he's 12, the enemies of Judah will be destroyed, right, this kid is the kid that Isaiah is talking about. Right? That there will be a child born. Isaiah, we know uh, his first wife dies, um, and then he marries this woman here called the prophetess. That's, that's, that's what we know of her here. And he has this new wife. The word for virgin can also be young woman. We know that she was a young woman. Isaiah married this virgin, this young woman, and had a child. And this child was a fulfillment of the prophecy, not the fulfillment. We're going to see how Jesus is the fulfillment, but he, this child, was a fulfillment of the prophecy. You see, the enemies that Ahaz feared, they were destroyed in 732 B.C. and 722 B.C., within 12 years of when Isaiah said these words. God's word proved true. Whether Isaiah trusted him or not, God was faithful. And if this came true, guess what also comes true? Look at verse 5 and 6. The Lord spoke to me again because this people had refused the waters of Shiloh that flow gently and rejoice over resin in the sun of Remela. Right? The waters of Shiloh are these healing waters that flow through the nation of Israel. And Ahaz rejected God's help. He continued to trust in other things. And so these healing waters were bypassed. Look at verse 7. Therefore, behold, the Lord is bringing up against them the waters of the river, mighty and many, the king of Assyria and all of his glory, and, and it will rise over all its channels and over all its banks, and it will sweep on into Judah, and it will overflow, passed on, reaching even to the neck, and its outspread wings will fill the breath of the land, Oh, Emmanuel, God with us. Be broken, you peoples, be shattered. Give ear, all uh, you far countries. Strap on your armor and be shattered. Strap on your armor and be shattered. Take counsel together, but it will come to nothing. Speak a word and it will not stand, for God is with us. Emmanuel. You see, if Ahaz had trusted those waters, if Ahad had trusted God, but someone did. Verse 11, for the Lord spoke spoke thus to me with his strong hand upon, upon, upon me and warned me not to walk in the way of this people. Right? So, God spoke to Ahaz and said, you are walking in the land of faithless people. Walk faithfully with God. You see, in a world of faithless people, Isaiah is told to be faithful. Do you know what lonely feels like? It feels like this sometimes. right? Isaiah is in this country of faithless people, and yet God tells him to be faithful right? Sometimes, sometimes when your family doesn't know Jesus and sometimes even if they do and you were with them in the holidays and there's this weird thing that, that happens, this interesting thing that happens that I've seen in families where, where maybe someone grows up in a Christian home, they go off to college and suddenly their faith becomes their own and they begin to grow and mature and then they go back home and it's almost like their faith is more mature than their parents' faith now. And it 's this weird dynamic of the stuff that you see parents concerned about and the stuff that you're concerned about are vastly different, and it feels lonely, right And sometimes I've seen just the opposite happen where where, where parents have kids that raised in church and they go off to college and and, and, and they all, for all essential uh, points, that they, they stop practicing their faith and then they come home, and, and it's like this person that they know and they love doesn't know and love Jesus anymore. And it's this weird dynamic, and it can feel lonely. Right? It's when your friends aren't walking with Jesus with you side by side, you feel lonely. It's when your spouse isn't living out the faith that they agree to and you feel lonely, right? It's when your friends head home for the holidays and you feel lonely. You see, this is where Isaiah is. He has a lonely voice pointing people to a faithful God. And y'all, that can feel lonely. But look at God's words to him. Verse 12, we're almost done. God says, "'Do not call conspiracy all that the people calls conspiracy, "'and do not fear what they fear, nor be in dread. "'But the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. "'Let him be be your fear, and let him be your dread, "'and he will become a sanctuary and a stone of offense and "'and a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel.'" A trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and many will stumble on it, and they, will, they shall fall and be broken, and they, they shall be snared and taken. And this command to Isaiah is to trust God. Do what Ahaz didn't. You see, we don't need to trust governments. We don't need to trust in in groups of people. We don't need to trust in those things because, particularly with governments, we don't need to trust governments because we trust the one who holds all governments in his hands, right? And so church, the command for us is this, in a world full of Ahaz's, be an Isaiah, right? In a world full of faithless people, be a faithful person. Why? Because the healing waters of Shiloh are fully available to you. Why? Because here's the deal. We know that that Jesus' name is Emmanuel, God with us. And here's the deal. Like I said, Jesus is the fulfillment of of this passage, right? He was born of a virgin, not just a young woman, but a virgin. He was a nomad. He walked in a land that wasn't his home. His home was in heaven. And Philippians 2 says said that he did not uh, hold on. He did not grasp eternity with God, but, became, but but came here for us. John said he made his dwelling upon, with us. In him, we see what is right and wrong. And as a matter of fact, we even see the fulfillment of this. Because do you remember where Jesus was when his parents lost him? He was in the temple teaching the people what was right and what was wrong. Jesus is the fulfillment to this. You see, in Jesus, our trust is placed and destruction is averted. In Him, we find our peace. In Him, because of His death and resurrection, we have God with us. In Him, our fear is turned to faith. Oh, so over here... We've got our Advent candles that we're going to be doing every week. And this week I get to do the first one because this passage speaks right to this. Right? Isaiah 7:14, therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. One of the reasons we do Advent is because it is a season of waiting. Right? Because we are all waiting on something, aren't we? Even if we are just ultimately waiting to be in eternity forever with God, we are waiting. Some of us are in this place where we're waiting for God to prove himself faithful. And when we're in that place waiting, when we're in that place of Advent, it can be real easy to put our trust into other things. But here's the deal, church. We need Emmanuel, don't we? We need God with us. Right? Right? Let me ask you this, (coughs) excuse me, do you need God with you this Christmas season? Do you need him with you? Well, he's ready and has always been. And let me tell you what this looks like when you're lonely, this God with us. It means that even when you are alone, right, that you are not alone, especially when you're lonely. Because why? God with us. We have God with us with us. Jesus gives this promise in the book of John of a God who sees. Listen to this in John 14. He says, and I will ask the Father, and I will give you another counselor, and he will be with you forever. So church, this is God with us. He is with you. And if you've become a follower of Jesus, if you're not a follower of Jesus, then let today be the day that you say yes and say yes to his offer of salvation and yes to to the Holy Spirit becoming part of your life, if you have said yes to him, then what if we let fear, what if we let loneliness be a springboard to faith? What if we did what Isaiah and, and Hagar did? And what if we cried out to God? We trusted him and we waited, right? Now, I thought it w- would be fun this week to, if you find yourself in that position, what would, you, what would it be like if you did what God did and, and did, did what Hagar did and gave God a name as you waited? The God who sees, the God who hears, whatever name you think is appropriate for God as you wait. I also want to tell you, too, just real quickly what happened um, when I woke up and the fraternity that I wanted wasn't there, right? Here's, here's what I, I found out. The group I wanted to join, um, even though they didn't want me to join, I found out later what God's plan and that was. Because here's what happened. Another semester rolled by. I heard about this new little startup fraternity, uh, which I'm a big fan of startups, I guess. That's why I helped start a church um a big fan of startups got to know a little bit more about them got to know some of the people so the next semester i i, I went through the pledge process with them and and even visited a couple other fraternities but really felt felt gravitating towards this new fraternity which is weird because i still went to some of the parties of the other fraternity they didn't want me but all of a sudden i was like "Nah, this isn't my place this other place is my place so as i went through the process they said yes they came it's great fun join the fraternity Well, here's what God did. In that fraternity, the one that said yes, there was a guy named Victor who told me about Jesus. And in that fraternity, I heard about the gospel. And I got invited to a church, and I got into a place where I said yes to Jesus. Right? And so that loneliness that we're experiencing... Cry out to God, trust Him, and wait, because He's got a plan. Let's be an Isaiah instead of a day has. Are y'all good with that? Are y'all hot? I am burning up in here. <laughs> Let's pray, Jesus. Um, uh, we love you and we trust you. And um, yeah, it's so fun to gather for church when. I mean, so much stuff is going wrong, but Your Word is true and faithful. And so, Father, in the midst of all this, we trust You. And, and, and we trust You to, 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 to meet us when we need You. We, we trust You to, to, to be faithful even when everything in our life looks like You're not. We trust You. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.